Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. He said, since therefore. Now, that means go back to everything we've just been studying about, you know, all that Jesus has done for us. Since therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Now, that's an interesting. Arm yourself. Take this weapon. Fortify yourself with this same way of thinking. You know, Jesus served. He gave his life to serve. So arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we're perfect and we never sin. But brothers and sisters, let me give you a little thought on this. When you completely give of yourself sacrificially to serve others, you're going to find that that way of thinking stops a lot of opportunities for sin in your life. A lot of temptations just don't come your way. So as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. All right, so this way of thinking that you've got here, the fruit of this way of thinking is you no longer live for human passions, but you live for the will of God. Now, if you will learn, and, and this is what I try to teach young pastors, if you're going to try to, to be somebody, if you're going to try to, to, to make a name for yourself, if you're going to always be wanting to push the envelope and get more for yourself, you know, God will prosper you, please. God will bless you, please. I mean, I'm living proof of that. God has been good to us. But you have to say, no, I'm in this for the service and the sacrifice that that entails. Number one, it's going to cease a lot of the temptation that comes to your life. But number two, you're going to find that you're not living for human passions anymore. You're living for the will of God. I, I was teaching our pastors that one of the beautiful things that has come out of this whole COVID-19 is I keep talking to the pastors now. We, we, we don't, we're not going on holidays with our friends. We're not, you know, doing big things. We're not uh, going out and having fun. We're not doing molly adventures with friends. We're not doing foodie adventures with our friends. Yeah, I've told them this whole year, we live for God and the congregation. We keep ourselves healthy. We don't go places. We don't do things. We keep ourselves healthy because we're giving ourselves completely to the congregation. And it's been a great education for many of the young pastors that, you know what? We don't live for ourselves. We live for God and his people. He said, now, the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Okay, this, this is what unsaved people want to do. And he's again, he's writing to Jewish believers. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. And he said, with respect to this, with respect to all of these things, okay, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Wow. All right. So, you know, we're, we're stuck in a situation where all of a sudden people that we used to know and we used to participate with. He said, now, you know, in the past, before you were saved, there was plenty of time for this. You lived in sensuality. That's, forgive me, sexuality, doing things that you know, are sensual. Passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties. You can call that um, clubbing. Just clubbing. Lawless idolatry. 
He said, now, with respect to all of this, he said, they're surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. Now, uh, you got to get a hold of that. Your old friends aren't going to like you. <laughs> I was talking with um, a person who had left our church quite a few years ago. And they went to a different church where they drink and they club and, you know, all kinds of other things that I won't mention. And um, they were saying, you know, Pastor, we just we were just set free from all of this. I said, set free from all what? They said, you know, all these bowels that COP has. I said, we don't have any bowels. I said, now the, the word of God has some bowels. So here's some bowels. Sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. And he said, yeah, your old friends are surprised when you don't do that anymore. And you know what? They malign you. And you know what? You've got to stand up to it. Stand up to the criticism. When I was a young man, I had to stand up to the criticism that, you know what, I don't, I don't, we used to call them bars, all right? I don't go to the bars anymore. I don't go to the frat parties anymore when I was in college. Those are things I don't do anymore, okay? A frat party, fraternity party, that would, basically a frat party was what you would basically call a falling down drunk party, all right? He said, you know, they may malign you. They speak badly about you, but you know what? You've got to stand up against that criticism. But they will give an account to him. They don't give an account to us. We don't go around and stand in condemnation of people. But they, these people who do these things, will give an account to him, which is God, who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached to those who are dead. You can call this the unsaved. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. All right, so again, this is unsaved hear the gospel, and then they get saved. This is not people who are in the grave, all right? Preach the gospel to those who are dead, separated from God, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Okay? We're preaching to the unsaved. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. Wow. The purpose of eschatology, the purpose of the study of the end times, is so that we'll change our lifestyle. How should we live? If we really believe, and you, you see all these things, a one-world economy coming together, and you know governments are talking about a one-world government these days, where they're talking about a, a great reset where all the governments of the world will work together and you know, when you, you see all of these things that you never understood how they could happen beginning to happen, Bible prophecy fulfilled, uh, the end of all things is at hand. And it's been at hand for over 2,000 years. Be self-controlled. Get control of yourself. Stop being controlled by the criticism and, and the words of other people. Be sober-minded. Be conscious how you think. Be serious in your thinking. Why? For the sake of your prayers. Do you want your prayers answered? Oh, yeah. Above all, keep on loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Wow. You know what? We all screw up and we hurt each other. But when you don't love, <laughs> there's nothing to cover those sins. Mm. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, sometimes you just got to take somebody in. Now, 
it seems that the more prosperous we get as a nation, forgive me, the more the, the less hospitable we became. I can remember back in the 80s when we were all so poor, there were young people in the church, especially young ladies in the church. I used to call the bad girls. I was a bad girl. These were girls that had everything they owned in a plastic bag. That was all their possessions because they had no home. And they would stay in this friend's house for a day or a week, and then they'd stay in that friend's house for a week, sometimes a month. And they would just move from home to home with their friends because they had no place. They had nothing. They, everything they had was in that plastic bag. And, you know, I never remember anybody grumbling or complaining about these girls that had no place to stay. Never had anybody grumbling or complaining. I know one of our pastoras on staff that she was thrown out of her family, thrown out of her house. Another family just took her in. I never heard anybody grumble or complain. Brothers and sisters, it seems the more prosperous we get and the more stuff we get, the less we're willing to share. Maybe it should be the other way around, Eva. As each has received a gift, the notice received, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I, I like that. Okay. None of us are, have the same giftings. God's grace varies. All right. It, it manifests in different ways in dis, different people's lives. So whatever spiritual gift we have received, we should use it. First of all, there's that emphasis. Use it and use it to serve one another. Okay. Now he begins to list these gifts. Whoever speaks, there's a speaking gift as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, I love that. So when I speak, I should speak the oracles of God. I should not speak Reader's Digest. <laughs> I should not speak um, worldly philosophy. If I've been given a gift of speaking, I should speak the oracles of God, not, not Reader's Digest or World's Wisdom. When we serve, we serve by the strength that God supplies. Wow. You're going to have to learn. You never have enough strength. Now, I've been a catabow all my life. I just have always seemed to have a great capacity to work. That's one of the gifts God has given me. But you know what I had to learn a long time ago? I can't serve in my own strength because I run out like everybody else. But if I would come to him every day, when I'm weak, I'm strong because his strength is perfected in my weakness. If I would come to him and say, Lord, there's so much that needs to be done and I don't have the physical strength to do this anymore. Father, you said when I'm weak, I'm strong because your strength is perfected in my weakness. Connect group leaders, get a hold of this. Every one of you who serves the body, you will always run out of strength on your own, but God will give you strength. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> 
ganyan lang ang buhay, okay? Welcome to life. Don't be surprised. But rejoice. Oh, you know, that's a hard one, okay? I mean, that's a hard one. You rejoice when you're going through fiery trials? Insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So just like Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, sometimes you take a look and go, this isn't going to be easy. This is going to be a tough one. But I will rejoice in it because I know that in the end, I'm going to be blessed. Ah, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory in God that rests upon you. I like that. So when people insult me for being a Christian, when people insult me for being a pastor, when people insult me for loving Jesus, I'm blessed. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon me. He said, but none of, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. Now, we get that murderer, thief, and evildoer. But he said, let none of you suffer as a meddler. You know, there are people that just stick their nose in everybody else's business. They hear one side of a story, and then they attack. You, you, you are an army that somebody rounded up to attack somebody else. <laughs> and then you know what? Then when you find out the other side of the story... Uh, there's a price to pay. He said, I don't want you to suffer as a meddler. You know, learn, learn to keep your nose in your own business, you know. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. I like that. If you suffer as a Christian, hold your head up high, put your shoulders back. Don't be ashamed. For it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now notice, the gospel requires obedience. He said, Pastor, I thought the gospel was all about grace. It is. But grace teaches us to say no to sin, remember? So the gospel requires obedience. Get a hold of that truth, okay? It'll keep you out of false doctrines. But notice, Judgment begins at the house of God. I've always found that God cleans house before he brings blessing. <laughs> oh, and I've watched God do this so many times. God's clean, God cleans house before revival and before blessings. God gets rid of all that nastiness inside. And sometimes it's hard, you know. Sometimes as God vomits the, the lukewarm people out, it's hard. Sometimes as a pimple pops and that foreign object that doesn't belong in your body is removed from the body of Christ, it's hard. But you know, God cleans house because he wants to bring blessings. And he's seen that there are things going on that aren't right. So I've just learned, I've just learned to just back up and trust God in these days. And you know, you look around and you go, God, thank you for your mercy. But you also look around and you go, God, I've just learned to trust you that when, when, you, when you start judgment, it begins at the house of, household of God. Household would be family. And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now, the scarcely saved, that's one of my question marks, all right? 
Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good, all right? So your soul is your heart, your emotions, your desires, your attitudes, your thoughts. Entrust your soul to God. Entrust your emotions, your desires, your thoughts to God. And your lifestyle, even when you suffer, you keep doing good. You keep working hard to do good to other people <laughs> because that's just who you are. Now, brothers and sisters, people are going to say a lot of bad things about you in life. But you know what? When you just keep doing good, it's amazing. Good things come to you. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. of sin is paid it took our place there is no more condemnation there is only grace we are family
Welcome back to Ezekiel. This morning, we have the privilege of continuing our reading in our drama, drama prophet. And we have been enjoying so much this week, the beautiful prophecies, the oracles that he has been pronouncing and applying them to our lives. Well, today we are going to read chapter 38 and chapter 39. You know, I've been really trying not to teach as we go through the book of Ezekiel, because this is morning devotions. It's called devotions. So I've been trying not to approach the book didactically or teach our way through it, but to do it devotionally. And sometimes it's a little bit challenging, but sometimes if we can, if I can just give you a little bit of understanding then we can understand the passage a little more clearly and understand what we are supposed to be getting out of it devotionally, right? So in Ezekiel's final prophecies that we have been reading in chapter 34, wow, what a chapter about the shepherds, right? The pastors, the priests the, that were ruling over the people. Chapter 35 was about their enemies. Chapter 36, the nation was converted. Chapter 37, the nation was resurrected. Now, chapter 38 and 39, now it's about the land. And then chapters 40 through 48, it's about the sanctuary. So Ezekiel's final set of prophecies, it's all very specific and it's all very laid out. Chapter 38 and chapter 39 tell about an invasion that will come against Jerusalem from the nations around the Black and Caspian Seas. Hmm, I think if you look at a map, you can definitely see that there is a nation on the Black and Caspian Seas and Persia, these two nations coming against Jerusalem. Persia is now called Iran, and then the third nation is North Africa, from North Africa. So the Black and Caspian Seas, Iran, and somewhere from North Africa, these will get together and come again. So someone from the north, someone from the east, someone from the southwest, all coming together against Jerusalem. It will happen. The question is when it will happen. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say. And if the Bible doesn't say 
we also don't say. <laughs> there are different schools of thought about when this will be happening. We just know that it will happen, and we will interpret the scripture literally as possible. We always interpret scripture literally. We are people who take the literal, grammatical, historical interpretation. If not, if we would not do that, if we would not take it literally, then anything goes. But one of the things we learn when we're studying Ezekiel is this truth. You take the Bible literally in context. In studying scripture, in reading the Bible, when you're reading the Bible for yourself in your devotions, there is one correct interpretation of that scripture. One. However, there are probably zillions of applications of taking that one correct interpretation and then applying it to our lives in application. Now, it's this, it's the application that we have been gathering, we've been gleaning as we go through the book of Ezekiel, because this is the devotional thought. These are the things that we can gather devotionally as we go through. So as we read chapter 38 and 39, you will say, okay, let's just take it literally. There are three nations that will come against Jerusalem, but God will stop them. So let's read these chapters and just take it literally, and we will get devotionally what we can from the passage. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them, with buckler and shield, wielding swords. Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all of his hordes, Beth Togarma, from the uttermost parts of the north, with all of his hordes, many people are with you. Wow, that is a lot of nations. That is... That is a spectrum of nations from the north, from the east, and from the southwest. Be ready and keep ready, you and all your hosts that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be mustered. In the latter years you will go against the land that is restored from war, the land whose people were gathered from many peoples upon the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste. Its people were brought out from the peoples and now dwell securely, all of them. You will advance coming on like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land, you and all your hordes and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day, thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme and say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them dwelling without walls, having no bars or gates, to seize spoil and carry off plunder, to, return, to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited, and the people who were gathered from the nations, 
who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell at the center of the earth. I like that. You want to know where the center of the the earth is? (laughs) It is Jerusalem. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all its leaders will say to you, Have you come to seize spoil? Have you assembled your hosts to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to seize great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day, when my people Israel are dwelling securely, will you not know it? You will come from your place out of the uttermost parts of the north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great host, a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. In the latter days, I will bring you against my land, that the nations may know me, when through you, O Gog, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, Are you he of whom I spoke in the former days by my servant, the prophets of Israel, who in those days prophesied for years that I would bring you against them? But on that day, the day that Gog shall come against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, my wrath will be roused in my anger. For in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath, I declare on that day, There shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field and all the creeping things that creep on the ground and all the people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down and the cliffs shall fall and every wall shall tumble to the ground. It says that God himself will fight for his people. He will thwart the best laid plans of the mightiest armies. Now that is a devotional truth that we can cling to, amen, (laughs) that God fights for us. And no matter what comes against us, he is able to thwart these plans that have come against us the mightiest armies, the most numerous armies, God is still greater and he will thwart their plans. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him and I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many people who are with him torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and will make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 39. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, And I will turn you about and drive you forward and bring you from the uttermost parts of the north and lead you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop out of your right hand. So he's not going to voluntarily, these nations will not voluntarily stop their attack on Israel. God will make it happen. Amen. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and your hordes and the peoples who are with you. 
I will give you to the birds of the of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall in the open fields, for I have spoken, declares the Lord. I will send fire on Magog and those who dwell securely in the coastlands, and they shall know that I am the Lord, and my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned any more. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. You know how many how many times we have said, seen that they shall know, but we've seen that the trees will know, the nations will know, Israel will know. There's so many people that that statement is addressed to. In this case, it's the nations. Behold, it is coming and it will be brought about, declares the Lord God. That is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and make fires of the weapons and burn them, shields and bucklers, bow and arrows, club and spears, and they will make fires of them for seven years so that they will not need to take wood out of the field or cut down any of the forests, for they will make their fires of the weapons. They will seize the spoils of those who despoiled them and plunder those who plundered them, declares the Lord God. On that day I will give to Gog a place for burial in Israel, the valley of the travelers east of the sea. It will block the travelers, for their Gog and all his multitude will be buried. It will be called the Valley of Hamon Gog. For seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. You know, even if today you will go to the land of Israel, you will see that the people there are very, very particular, that no human remain will be left. There's no part, there's no bit of flesh. If there's, for example, been a fire or a bombing or, or something that happened, no human remain will just be left laying around, but every part must be cleaned up. So this is true even now. All the people of the land will bury them, and it will bring them renown on the day that I show my glory, declares the Lord God. They will set apart men to travel through the land regularly and bury those travelers remaining on the face of the land so as to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make their search. And when these travel through the land and anyone sees a human bone, then he will set up a sign by it and the, till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamon Gog. Hamona is also the name of the city. Thus shall they cleanse the land. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, Speak to the birds of every sort and to all the beasts of the field. Assemble and come, gather from all around to the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. A great sacrificial feast on the mountains of Israel, and you shall eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, of he-goats, of bulls, all of them, the fat beasts of Bashan. And you shall eat fat until you are filled and drink blood until you are drunk at the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. And you shall be filled at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all kinds of warriors, declares the Lord. And I will set my glory among the nations and all the nations shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid on them 
The house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. And the nations shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they dealt so treacherously with me that I hid my face from them and gave them into the hand of their adversaries, and they all fell by the sword. I dealt with them according to their uncleanness and their transgressions and hid my face from them. Verse 25, Therefore thus says the Lord, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. Restore fortunes. Associated words. When you see that God will restore, the most commonly associated word with restore is fortunes. Although he restores our health, he restores everything about us, our lands, our businesses, he restores fortunes. And I will be jealous for my holy name. They shall forget their shame and all the treachery they have practiced against me when they dwell securely in their land with none to make them afraid. When I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them from the enemy's lands and through them have vindicated my holiness in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God because I sent them into exile among the nations and then assembled them into their own land. I will leave none of them remaining among the nations anymore, and I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. Oh, Lord, what a great revival. (laughs) What great things you do for people as you restore them. Pours out his spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, that is our Ezekiel reading for today. And that is our morning devotions for today. Tonight, we do pray that you will join us for our prayer and worship service. That will be at COP at 6.30 p.m. If you can't make it in person, then do join us online because it will be live streamed. We do hope to see you join us for prayer tonight at 6.30. God bless you.